Good morning, friend. I hope you're doing well. It is Friday, almost halfway through October. It's incredible. And it's Friday, so I thought I'd bring you a Friday conversation. I'm actually recording a great conversation this afternoon with Alyssa Childers, who's um, written two incredibly important books about truth and about uh, progressive Christianity. And I'm excited to have a conversation with her. We had I had three uh, really good interviews set up, and all three of them got rescheduled for different reasons last month. So this is a reschedule of one of those that I'll be doing this afternoon with Alyssa. And I'm so excited to bring you that Friday conversation, which most likely will be up next Friday. But as kind of a preface to that, uh, two years ago, I had a conversation with one of my favorite authors and now our friend, Lisa Bevere. Um, she's got a great social media following, by the way. Um, her, her channels are always very encouraging, and she's she's just great. Uh, great follow, Lisa Bevere. I'll put her link in the show notes. But we're going to bring back that conversation that I had with Lisa because we talked about her book, Adamant, which is one of my favorite books of all time. It's about truth. It's about how the idea that there is absolutely rock-solid, bedrock truth that you don't have to worry about being relative. And one of the problems we're having in our society right now is that people are actually buying into the idea that there there can be a truth that's different for me and you and everybody else. A truth can be sort of whatever you decide it is. And so there's a there's a great conversation that we had with Lisa Bevere about truth and her book, Adamant. And I think it's a great sort of preamble to the conversation that we'll be releasing hopefully next Friday with Alyssa Childers. And I just want you to spend a few minutes thinking about truth, truth and strength. And I'm going to bring you back Lisa Bevere. But for, before we get to that, uh, we'll have Lisa tell us how to start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Hey, friend, it's Dr. Lee Warren. I'm so glad to have you back with me today. I am really, really excited about this episode. It's Good Friday, by the way. It is Friday, April 10th, 2020. It's about 4 o'clock in the morning, mountain time here in Wyoming. It's going to be cold. We're going to get snow today. It's a crazy time, and winter just doesn't want to quite let go this year. We've got all kinds of things happening in the world right now with the COVID-19 crisis, and everybody's worried and anxious and, and stressed, and the economy's in turmoil because the businesses are closed and you know it's it's a tough time for everybody and worldwide everybody's going through the same thing but it's good friday and if you remember what happened on good friday things look pretty bad i mean jesus got crucified and buried on what we now call good friday it didn't seem very good then right well as we know the story um the weekend played out and sunday came and 
everything after that that did happen was good for us. So the, the moral of the story, the true story that Christians understand and, and celebrate on Good Friday is that no matter how dark things can look, there's always Sunday. Sunday's coming. The Lord is going to rise, and, and good things will come out of it. Well, today on this episode, I've got a friend, a new friend with me named Lisa Bevere. Lisa, according to her official bio, has spent nearly three decades empowering women to find their identity and purpose. She's a cancer survivor, a New York Times bestselling author. Her books include such titles as Without Rival, Adamant, Lioness Arising, and Girls with Swords. And her new one is Strong, a 90-day devotional. Lisa and her husband, John, co-founded Messenger International to develop uncompromising followers of Christ who transform their world. And to this end, Messenger has given away over 30 million resources in 111 languages. Before we get into the show today, I asked Lisa to pray for us. So let's do that now. Hey, would you pray for us? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we know it is an incredible honor and an incredible uh, entrustment to have a conversation that is consecrated for your glory. And so, Father, we just ask that you would watch over everything we say, that you would weave both practicality and prophetic insight into the conversations that we have, that the listeners would be edified and Jesus would be glorified in your holy name. Amen. Amen. I came to know about Lisa because a few years ago I was searching for some books about truth, for some research, for something I was going to write. And I came across a book that I I normally wouldn't have encountered because Lisa Bevere's books are generally aimed at women. Now, I learned a lesson about this a few years ago when I read a book called Choose Joy Because Happiness Isn't Enough by Kay Warren, and it was aimed at women, but it turned out to be a great book about um, how we think, and that's, of course, the kinds of things I always talk about on on this show and in my platform. I'm always talking about how we think, change how you think, change how you live, because that's good for your brain chemistry, it's good for your spirit, etc. So I learned to not... Uh, be turned away because a book was aimed at women because there's some incredible authors out there, some incredible ladies writing amazing books that are really powerful. And it's unfortunate that sometimes men might not encounter them. So when I was researching truth, I found a book called Adamant. And the book Adamant was all about how there has to be something that's always true. And of course, that thing that's always true turns out to be our faith in Christ. And I read Lisa's, uh, Lisa Bevere's book, and it was so powerful that I bought a bunch of copies of it, and I've given them away to a lot of people. And it's one of those books um, that I've found to be uh, useful in many situations for many people. And so, as it turned out, I think I told the story before, but um, when my new book, uh, I've seen the interview came out, Lisa and I, my Lisa, and I were in San Antonio to be on uh, Matt and Kendall Hagee's show at the Cornerstone Church there in San Antonio. And in the green room was a young man um, that we got to talking to. He was going to be on the show before I was, and his name was Addison Bevere. And as we got to know Addison, he told us his story about his new book, Saints, which is a beautiful book that I've promoted before, and he's been on my show before. Now, um, he introduced me to his mom over the phone after I told him the story of how, um, how much I appreciated Adamant. And that has led to a new friendship with their family and John and uh, uh, Addison's dad, John, Lisa's husband, John, was on the show recently. And then Lisa graciously gave us a little bit of her time today, too, because it's, it's a dark time, but truth is always true. 
and strength is always strength, and her books and her message will inspire and help you today to hold on to hope, no matter what might be going on, to hold on to what's really true and what's really strong in your life. And Lisa Bevere is going to help us get all that done, and we're going to have a great conversation with her today. But before we do, let's hear from our mascot, young Eli Covert. Uh, He's a a young listener of the podcast, and uh, we reached out to Eli and asked him why he likes the Dr. Lee Warren podcast. Here's what Eli had to say. Hello, my name is Eli Covert. I'm eight years old, and I like listening to Dr. Warren's podcast because it helps people and it makes me feel better. I like what Whitney's talks about God. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and my podcast is all about neuroscience, the power of your mind, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you change your mind so you can become healthier, feel better, and be happier. Hey, go to my website, wleewarrenmd.com, for all the information you need, the show notes, information about my newsletter, which is read in 70 countries every Sunday. It's my best prescriptions for helping you live a healthier, better, happier life. You can get us on socials at Dr. Lee Warren at D-R-L-E-E-W-A-R-R-E-N on Twitter and Instagram. Lisa is at Lisa D. Warren on Twitter and Instagram. We love to connect with you and hope that you will do so. We love to hear from folks all over the world. Hey, we're changing our minds so we can change our lives. Today we've got Lisa Bevere with us with a message of truth and strength, even in the hard times. And I can't wait for you to meet our new friend, Lisa Bevere. Let's get after it. Well, folks, we've got uh, Lisa Bevere here with us, uh, New York Times bestselling writer and uh, co-founder, I guess, of Messenger International with John Bevere. Um, Lisa, thanks for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Dr. Lee. You can just call me Lee. It's okay. Okay. All right. Unless you're my patient, which you don't want to have brain surgery, so... No, I don't. No, nope. but I I would want you as a doctor if I did need one. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. That was a good plug for my practice there. So, um, <laughs> hey, um, we had a great conversation with your husband John recently, and uh, and uh, also with your son Addison, uh, and you graciously uh, agreed to spend some time with us today because I've been a fan of your books, even though you're a uh, you know a woman writer, Christian uh, women is your platform. Um, Men, there's a lot of uh, wisdom in Lisa's books, and um, just talk to us a minute about your journey uh, as a as a family and as a ministry and as a writer. Give us some background, Lisa. So we've had the honor and the privilege of actually ministering together, my husband and I, for thirty years, which is crazy. We've been married thirty eight years, and. Uh, watched God open doors that just astound us. And so I've had the privilege, I wrote my first book at 34, which is how old Addison is. And I am turning 60 this year. And we are an organization called Messenger International. It's kind of our parent organization because it's bigger than personality. It has a mandate. And that mandate is to create uncompromising disciples or followers of Jesus Christ who transformed their world. And to that end, over the last 10 years, we have given away over 30 million individual resources in over 100 languages to people who cannot get a hold of books because of persecution or poverty. And so that's been one of our things we're the most excited about. Uh, That's what we kind of do that's far thrown seats. And then traveling and speaking has been this incredible um, opportunity and entrustment that we've done um, for the last 30 years. We've wow. traveled all over the globe 
preaching the gospel. I do predominantly women's meetings, but a lot of times I do do uh, Sunday mornings or different conferences. And my husband and I wanted to do it together. And, you know, any married couple that works together knows it would be easier not to, but it is more transformative to work together. So, you know, unless, unless the husband's a brain surgeon and the (sighs) wife is, is a school teacher, that's probably not a good work together. My Lisa Lisa ran our practice for 11 years. So. Oh, that's awesome. So, so for us, we've, we've, um, we've worked together. We have four sons who work with us, which that is my greatest joy is, uh, seeing generational ministry and they're all doing it better than us because they have parents who are ridiculous and have made a lot of mistakes, (laughs) own their mistakes and then hope that our boys learn not from just the things we do right, but from the things we redeem that we did wrong. And we're not talking about moral failures. We're just talking about stupidity. And <laughs> so our our boys are going further and farther. I'm watching our daughter-in-laws uh, grow up in um, beauty and strength in the ability to minister and um, communicate. And that's been really amazing. Wow. So I have four grandkids. Four grown sons. I am half Sicilian, so I like to think of myself as a godmother. Yeah. Uh, and a godmother is someone who meets people at really seriously catastrophic or catalytic crossroads, helps them transform what they have, and sends them on their way. Wow, that's beautiful. And you guys, uh, you and John both have kind of. Uh, jumping onto what you just said, have kind of put yourself out there as a voice of calm and peace during this uh, stressful time that we're all in right now. Um, both of your, on your social media posts have been very encouraging. And every day I would encourage you folks to go follow Lisa and John both uh, for some really um, great doses of daily hope, really in the midst of all the things that we're going through. Um, so the book of yours that got you on my radar um, was a book that was called Adamant, and I'll tell you why I read it. Um, I've been concerned uh, for a while now, Lisa, about the, the shifting sand of what people um, agree to is what's true. Um, and as a scientist, you know, as, a, as a man of, of science, who's also a man of faith, I know there are some things that are just true, and they're always true. They're, they're, they're eternally true. Um, north is north and south is south. Um, but we've got this culture right now that's telling us that your truth can be different than my truth. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, I, and so I was, drawn, I was looking for books about truth, and I found Adamant. So tell, tell us a little bit about Adamant. Yeah. So, you know, I, I love that you brought that up. I have been a Christian now for, for 30 years, and, um, well, 39 years, and I have watched this ebbing and flowing where people can, you know, say, well, that's your truth, and I have a truth, and tomorrow my truth might change. Well, that's true of, but truth doesn't change, and it used to be that we built our lives off of things called convictions, and convictions had eternal pillars. And when I um, studied this word adamant, it's a very abstract concept. It was first uh, a, a dream and actually in a way a noun where the Greek mytho- mythologists, poets, philosophers, scientists, they hypothesized a stone that would be woven so tightly that any inferior stone that would come in contact with it would be crushed. It would mm-hmm. 
grab light, redirect it. It would be uh, independent of its surroundings. You could put it in a fire. It would You could touch it. It would be cool to the touch. So this stone, they called adamant, or in the Greek, it was adamus, which means invincible. And when I was studying this, I thought, well, wait a minute. This predated Christ. They were looking for a cornerstone. They were looking for something immovable, indestructible, something that they could build their lives on, something that would protect them, something that was a refuge, something we see David talking about uh, repeatedly in his journey in the wilderness. He called God, you are the rock that is higher than I. He, it is that stone that we see not made with hands that hits all the hand made images that yeah. we make as people in, in Daniel's uh, interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's vision. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is a time where people are elevating opinions over truth. And so I had a revelation that what they were looking for calling an adamant was actually the cornerstone yeah. and this cornerstone that the builders rejected. We know is Jesus. And so we see the stone that becomes a mountain and then the mountain that fills the earth, which is the church. So we're supposed to be a people who build our lives on the immovable, that there is a truth, that the truth is not a what, that the truth is a who, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by Him. And so that was really important. I I don't know that it's a popular concept right now. I I do think people want to say, no, that's your truth. Well, you know, a lot of women are embracing the truth that right now their hair may look one color, but in two weeks, it's going to be a completely different color. So that is a true of, it's not a truth because the truth doesn't change. And so I wanted to give people an immovable. And, you know, Lee, we've seen what's happened. The church has mishandled truth. We have been more known for what we are against than what we are for. And we preach the truth without love. And when you preach the truth without love, that comes across as harsh. So our culture has responded, and I would even say part of the church has responded by preaching love without truth. And love without truth is a lie. So what we have to do in our time period is merge both truth and love. And truth and love is where you see the expression of Jesus Christ. And so that was a really important thing for me to say, hey, we need to be a people who are invincible. And the only way we can be invincible is if we are immovable in truth and invincible in love and merge those two concepts, which was my hope throughout the book. Wow. Yeah, I told this to Addison. It dawned on me while I was listening to your son talk about his wonderful book, Saints, uh, which I've promoted a lot uh, through my channels. It dawned on me that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You know, John John wrote a book called Good or God. It's like everything good is is not of God. They're not the same. They're not synonymous. Like all things of God are good, but not all good things are of God. And and then you're writing about truth. Like the, there can be true ofs, but there are certain things that are just true. And Ad, you know, Addison's books is about there's more than the good life as we define it in the culture that we're in, right? So he's he's digging down deep for what's what's really good and what's really true, and that yeah. came from his parents. So I, lo- I love that um, he was raised right. That's what I told well, him. Well, we have those conversations so, around the table. Yeah, you know, I that's what our family is. 
we have conversations around the table about the goodness of God. And I think sometimes we have made it uh, difficult. We've been like, oh, we're going to we're going to do a Bible study, which is good. I'm not saying mm-hmm. don't study the Bible. We all study the Bible. Right. But there's something beautiful about John studying, me studying, Addison studying, and then the other son studying. And we come around the table and we have a conversation about the revelation. And, and we talk through things. And we all have a different vantage, um, not a different truth, a different vantage on that truth because it's it's multifarious it's right. it's there's multi layers there's different uh ex, you know extremes and beauties and expressions of the truth of god and so we we celebrate that we have that conversation it's not work or shop talk to us it's life right. i think you talked about that in strong a little bit we'll talk about it strong in a minute but in the in deuteronomy we're encouraged to talk about it you know think about it write it write down write it down put it on your bind it to your forehead if you need to like like think about talk about teach about the word uh, with your kids with your family all the time and that'll produce uh, some great fruit in your life um tell us about your journey as a writer like how did it come about that you started writing and and uh, yeah. what you're into now. I love your you know, girls with swords and, and women don't have to be weak uh, ideas. And it's cover some of that ground for us, Lisa. Yeah. So this is kind of funny. So my husband was the first one to write and he uh, he's an amazing communicator, uh, but he was not a confident writer at first. Now he is, but he was not a confident writer at first. Um, so what happened was I told John capture what you want to say, And I will go back through it and edit it. Every wife is anointed to edit her husband. That's right. I mean, I would live (laughs) in my dream. I was like, no, don't say it like that. Say it like this. I'm adding things. I'm, you know, deleting things. I'm softening things. I'm making other things more focused. And so I was always in his meetings with his publisher because I was more or less his content editor. And so we were sitting there. Uh, I think he had written um, Bait of Satan and maybe Breaking Intimidation. And they looked at me and they said, hey, we believe there's a book in you. And if you write it, we'll publish it. And I just started laughing. I just said, well, it's easy for me to be a critic who refines John's work. It is not easy for me to come up with my own concepts and then write it down. And they said, well, we really think that you should. And I, I just kind of said, listen, uh, you know, I'm, I have four kids. <laughs> I have four kids. I'm staying home. I'm completely out of control. And they said, well, think about it. So I actually took it to prayer. And I thought, what would I write? What would I write? Now, I wrote my first book back in 1985. And back then, women were talking about wearing the right colors. They were talking about wearing large earrings. They were talking about having tea, scrapbooking. There was a book called The Total Woman that advocated meeting your husband at the front door wrapped in saran wrap, uh, <laughs> naked. And I was like, see, none of these, none of these are fitting into my world right now. So I thought I would write a book called Out of Control and Loving It, and I would be talking about facing your fears. Hmm. And so I took a lot of my journal excerpts, a lot of the things that God had been teaching me, wrote it into a book. My very first book came out when I was 34 and it was out of control and loving it. 
And it just, to be honest with you, it resonated with so many women who were waiting to hear stories that I had in it, like my husband having to lock me into the garage because I was going to fit. And I took a hammer to the grill and just all of these different things that everybody was pretending to be perfect, thinking that would inspire perfection. And so it kind of was, uh, now I didn't make excuses. I just said, this is, this is where I was. And this is where God brought me. So I didn't say, Hey, I'm being authentic. Let's all be crazy. I didn't right. do that. I took, took it from a place of this was a, a crisis in my life. It was a catalyst for growth. And so, yeah, I wrote that book. It, it, it exploded. I was home changing diapers when they called me. I was like, what? So then all of a sudden I started having uh, all these book offers and I wrote a book called The True Measurable Woman. Mm-hmm. Then I wrote a book on eating disorders. Then I wrote a book on uh, anger. And then I wrote a book on sexual brokenness. And then I kind of paused for a while because I'm actually a minister who happens to write, not an author who happens to minister. Right. So when I write a book, I want to steward that message in the spirit. I don't want to just pump out books. So then I went, I think four or five years. And then I wrote uh, fight like a girl nurture, uh, Linus arising girls with swords, wrote a marriage book. Uh, then I wrote without rival, um, about identity and purpose and then adamant and wow. wrote workbooks and all in between. Yeah. And so that's just kind of been the journey. I I've been incredibly blessed. Um, you know, a lot of people have uh, to write proposals and, you know, just say, hey, this is, you know, tr- it's kind of a tryout. I've just had, um, I've had incredible favor when it comes to writing books where um, I've had publishers and an agent who are just advocates for me being able to do that. And so then I came to them and I said, you know, I love that you believe in me. My first and foremost thing though is generations. How about you give my kids books an idea? And uh, they they had to, they had to earn it on their own. Addison uh, had this concept and they loved it. And so my publisher Ravel also got behind Addison's book saints. And I was thrilled to hear and see that. That's wonderful. You know, it's uh, it's amazing how doors open when you're faithful, right? Uh, when you, when you obey and and you and you follow what God's put in your heart. So I appreciate that. Um, you found your voice uh, really writing for women, um, but you uh, you've helped a lot of us, uh, other genders along <laughs> the other gender along the way. Um, one of the things I think that's relevant to talk about from Adamant um, for just a second um, is. Right now, we're all kind of isolated, right? We're, we're, we're out of our routines and we're not doing the things that we normally do or around the people that we're normally around. And you had a line in Adamant that said, our networks are vast, but our connections are shallow and void of true intimacy. And so at a time right now where we're forced almost onto social media and into those more shallow relationships more, what would you say to people out there? Like, how, what's a how can you minister to folks right now in that place of isolation that would be helpful to us us all uh, in this quarantine type situation we're in? Well, you know, I think that uh, there's been a, there's, you know, everything has changed and nothing has changed. You know, the nothing that has changed is God is our source of life. Truth is true. You know, all those kind of things, but everything has changed. And so I've actually seen 
uh, people connect more on social when they're getting truth. So we, you know, when, uh, who knew when I turned in the manuscript for a devotional, which this is the first devotional I've ever done in my life, um, a 90 day devotional, who knew that it would launch like the first week of the coronavirus isolation. I had no idea. And we also, uh, we said, we're going to, we're going to launch a course called strong. And right now we have, uh, it's, I believe it's 17,000 women signed up because yesterday it was 16,900. So I'm pretty sure today it's 17,000 women signed up for a free online course. Very first lesson is on idolatry. You know, removing the idols in our life, deciding that we're not going to give our strength to or draw our strength from things that are outside of God, things that will end up being unfaithful to us. And, you know, I had an issue of an idol in my own life when I first became a Christian of an eating disorder. So, you know, so that was something that God toppled and God doesn't topple our idols to embarrass us, to shame us. Uh, He's actually saying, I want to remove those things that would obstruct you from me and would keep you from knowing who you really are. And so then I went into the second lesson about repentance, which is so amazing. In 2 Timothy, it calls repentance a gift. And a lot of times when people hear the word repentance, they think of grumpy, they think of angry, they think of John the Baptist yelling and spitting at people. But repentance is a precursor to the goodness of God. And it talks about through meekness, through meekness, being able to instruct others who actually are at odds with themselves. So what repentance does is it actually says it creates an ability for us to recover ourselves, recover ourselves from snares, snares of the enemy, snares of the culture. And when we recover ourselves in these days of social media, then we're going to actually pursue the right things. And um, we love that uh, and we were strategizing in meetings today about uh, messenger courses. We've got it where it's free for 30 days, right? So that people cannot just entertain their kids but engage their kids in episodes, engage their uh, teenagers, engage themselves in relational skills. So, we've got things like healthy relationships, story of marriage, we've got the moms of men, porn free. We have all of these things. So people can make a determination that the way they went into this season is not the way they're going to leave, that they might have brought into this season areas of weakness, but they'll use this season of wilderness or struggling to develop strength. And so that's my hope. And I do feel like I've seen a different type of engagement. You know, I I was, I hung up with uh, Thomas Nelson publisher right before uh, we, we connected and I said, you know, people are ready to hear now what they weren't ready to hear two months ago. That's right. That's so. right. Yeah, I was talking to Max Licato the other day, and he's an old friend of ours. And he um, he said, Lee, we're going to get to heaven, and people are going to say, you know, I never turned my heart over to the Lord until this virus hit, until I realized that the things I've been serving weren't the thing I needed to be serving. And I think that's right. We're going to come out of this. It's going to be one of those uh, beauty from ashes moments that God promises us, right? Um, one more thing about uh, Strong before we wrap it up here. Um, towards the end of the book, you talked about um, the the women that you were drawn to as sort of idols uh, or or 
um, inspirational figures when you were a kid were the Bond girls. And I love, yes. I love the metaphor that you use here. Tell us a little bit about that story, if you don't mind. Well, I, you know, again, went to a James Bond movie. They always carried guns. They seemed to be super independent, fierce. They had this seductive uh, vibe about them. But then I realized they either they either die or end up alone. Yep. And so I thought, well, that's not that's not a good choice. And of course, they have guns. It's because they're afraid. And we have a culture that is saying seduction is strength, but really, it's not. Uh, it's saying rebellion is strength, but really, it's not. And they're saying immodesty is strength. And again, I'm not. You know, when, you have to be so careful when you have this conversation, because as soon as you say that modesty should be a part of thing, people say you're victim blaming. I'm not right. ever giving anybody a reason to rape or sexually assault a woman. That's not no. what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is where I think as a woman, I have to get my value. And so right. I'm not let's let's remove this and let's say. What am I communicating and where am I getting my value and what message am I sending? Because packaging is part of our presentation. And if I package myself in a way that says I'm cheap, then it's very confusing. But when I package myself in a way that actually says who I am, that's helpful. And let me just kind of move uh, from modesty because it gets confusing for people you know there's situational modesty i don't believe that it would be modest to show up at a sweat with a sweatshirt on at a wedding you know that wouldn't that would be dishonoring of that situation so it's about what is honoring of that situation also i don't think it would be smart to show up at church in a bikini uh, that would not be right. honoring of that situation. So it's more about what is appropriate for that situation. But I do think that um, women have kind of lost some of their their compass and um, and and not even known why. And we've bought the lie that we are seductive and we are youth and everything. And we've lost this idea that a woman has legacy and wisdom and strength. We've attached beauty to youth instead of beauty to wisdom and godliness. You can tell I'm home. (laughs) Could be an Amazon delivery. Yeah, Yeah. So that was important to me to just actually ask women, you know, I, I actually, um, uh, I would say I'm very fierce and, uh, because I am fierce, I package myself as someone fierce. I'm not going to be up there in froofy clothes because that's going to confuse people. They're going to be looking at one thing and hearing another. And I, I do think that we need to dress in such a way that communicates what we are doing, what we are about, and who we are and whose we are. I, I love that. Just the idea that you... Um don't have to be in bondage to the things that society tells you make you valuable or strong. Um, God defines those things. I love it. Well, um, if you have one more second, um, tell us a a verse or a scripture passage right now that you could minister to us with that would help people uh, during this stressful time. So, you know, I woke up the other day with a scripture. I didn't even know where it was. I, I could quote it verbatim. I had no idea where it was. It was Isaiah chapter three, verse 10. And this is what it says. It says, tell the righteous it shall be well with them for they will eat the fruit of their deeds. And I really 
had a revelation that God is saying to his people, it shall be well. It may not feel well right now, but you're going to go from a place of unhealthy to a place of healthy, from a place of uh, an unawareness of other people and their needs to a place of generosity and strength. But your deeds right now are seeds for your next season. Um, you know, I went out, we have, we have this little, um, little flower bed thing where we occasionally, I mean, John and I travel so much, we kill more plants than we've <laughs> ever grown, but we're, we're actually growing things now because we've been home. We went out to Lowe's and we, we had this little box and we bought some plants and put it in there in the soil that had already been in there for a couple of years. And we started watering it and we saw little seedlings come up and I don't know what they are. I'm pretty sure they're basil, yeah. but what I realized was there was seed in the soil. Yeah. And in this season right now, there is going to be things coming up that you seeded in the soil of your heart. Good things, things that God is going to bring to the forefront, strength that you didn't even know that you had. So there, I think we need to watch for God bringing to the forefront because struggle is strengthening. And we have a culture that works out to look good in their clothes rather than to do good. And so we need to be people who understand that God is like, hey, I want you to work out in the spirit. Yeah, work out your body, go for walks, do whatever you can. But at the end of the day, what we do with our strength is more important than how we look in our clothing. So I love that seeds that were hidden in that soil when I started to tend the soil, which would be my heart. Yeah, They started to come up. And I also love that in this season, I'm planting things that I'm going to eat in my next season. Yeah. So I would say it will be well with you. God knows how to use this season to strengthen. It's a season of shaking to wake us up. It's a season of harvest. It's a season of unifying the body of Christ where we remember that we're one in faith, not doctrine. And it's a season of removing dead things. You know, when that shaking happens, you know, I live in Colorado, all the dead branches fall off with the wind that comes through and God is removing the dead. He is pruning that we would have more fruit. And so I think it's a season to be encouraged and a season to have an opposite spirit of our culture to sow when other people are hoarding, to bless when other people are cursing, to rise up when other people are shrinking and hiding. I think this is an incredible time for the body of Christ to rise and pray and and just be seen for who she really is. So I'm excited. Love it. That's a perfect way to end, Lisa. Thank you for ministering to us today and for the work that you and John and your family are doing. Hey, can we give away a signed book to somebody who writes in? Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, we can totally do that. Perfect. And anybody that wants to can sign up for the strong course at messenger, uh, messengercourses.com. And that's free as well. Perfect. We'll put all those links on the show notes and uh, really appreciate your time today, Lisa. And God bless you and your family and all your work. And We'll see you soon. What a great conversation. Uh, Lisa Bevere is 
just super present and um, has a great message. Her books are amazing. They're very helpful. And John and Lisa are giving away free access for 30 days to their courses, messengercourses.com. They've got amazing resources that are very helpful to you and would be really helpful to you in this dark time, especially women. The Strong Course is aimed at you. If It's helpful and it's free right now from Lisa Bevere. Lisa, thank you so much for your time. We are excited to bring part of your message to this audience. And uh, I'm really grateful for my new connection uh, with the Bevere family and the great work that they're doing all over the world. Listen, if you're looking for an organization to support, check out Messenger International. They are helping equip the church all over the world. And I can't think of a better way to uh, use some of your tithes and offerings if you're uh, looking for an opportunity to spread uh, your blessings a little bit around the world. Messenger International is in almost every country in the world, and these guys are the real deal. You've heard all three three of them on the podcast recently, and uh, Lisa and I are super excited about their work and joining with them uh, to help around the world, and I think it would be a good opportunity for you to check out what they're doing at messengerinternational.org. Thanks again for listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. As always, we want you to start today. Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.